Hi everyone! I finally managed to get the editing done on this episode with a breastfeeding baby on my lap the whole time. And that's why it took a bit longer than usual to get this episode out. Bear with me, I'm slowly but surely getting the hang of this extreme multitasking lifestyle. Oh, and please excuse any baby-related noises you may hear in this intro. Also, keep in mind that this was recorded like almost two weeks ago, and if there are any recent developments we haven't discussed here, it's probably because of that. I thought it was extremely important to host a discussion on the tragic anti-Muslim terror attack in Christchurch, especially in light of the kinds of talking points I see coming from and being excused in the rational skeptic atheist scene, where even though I knew it was bad, I still honestly have been appalled watching the excuses unfold over the past couple of weeks. The whataboutery and the priorities on display. It's all been really, really eye-opening that so many of these so-called humanists couldn't even wait for a few days to pass before asserting that Islamophobia isn't a real thing or it's not racist to criticize Islam because Muslims aren't a race, checkmate liberals. I mean... Within this scene, there's just been such little concern or sensitivity for the victims of a brutal mass murder. And these are the same people I stood shoulder to shoulder with in calling out many whataboutists after Islamist attacks. I had expected better from a group that was so quick to recognize the distastefulness of this when the attack was committed by the quote-unquote other. I expected some level of consistency, at least, but there is none. And Islam certainly doesn't deserve to be shielded from valid criticism, but time and place should also be considered. This should go without saying, really. It's as ridiculous and insensitive as launching into but actually type criticisms of circumcision in the Jewish community right after an attack on a synagogue. It's not that there isn't valid criticism, it's that that might not be the appropriate time for it. It shouldn't have to be spelled out for self-professed rationals that perhaps the days after 50 Muslims have been gunned down for nothing other than their faith, maybe, just maybe, that isn't the time to use your Islam as hate hashtags or be pedantic about the imperfect term Islamophobia or insist that attacks like these shouldn't stop us from criticizing Islam. I mean, I'm a critic of Islam myself, but I feel like I've been silenced to quite an extent by the toxicity of the discussion around it. The frothing at the mouth generalizations and simplistic, reductive, and dangerous screeching about how Islam is worse than Nazism have made it hard to have a sensible discussion around the topic. It's been an incredibly lonely tightrope to walk with very few allies. I don't want my voice to be hijacked by glorifiers of religious conservatism or by anti-Muslim bigots, and it feels impossible to say much without that happening. The hypocrisy on display has been jaw-dropping, really. Someone like Majid Nawaz, who coined the term Voldemort effect to describe when people refuse to name and shame Islamist ideology, has been tweeting at people who are rightfully naming and shaming white supremacist ideology, asking them how it's helpful to list and point at white supremacist attacks. So many of those who pointed at ideology and hateful rhetoric by preachers in the role of Islamism have been unable to apply this to white supremacy or racist anti-Muslimness, 
They can't even see white supremacy as a coherent ideology where the blame extends anywhere beyond the self-professed Richard Spencer types, when in fact this is a problem that spreads outwards to all the people who soften, make excuses for, downplay, or share reactionary talking points with the shooter whose manifesto was titled The Great Replacement. Merely denouncing this terrorist doesn't mean you aren't contributing to that ideology. I'm sure there are Islamist hate preachers who denounce jihadist attacks, but that doesn't mean they aren't part of the problem. Let's go back to that notorious conversation between Ben Affleck and Sam Harris on Real Time for a second. I defended Sam and Bill's right to have that conversation without being immediately labeled racist, though in retrospect, I completely question their motivations in regards to Islam in light of all the other things I've observed since, but that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, in that chat with Ben Affleck, Sam talked about these concentric circles, where he named and shamed, rightfully so, jihadists, Islamists, and then even conservative Muslims with bigoted overlapping beliefs. Just imagine some concentric circles here. You have at the center, you have jihadists. These are people who wake up in the morning wanting to kill apostates, wanting to, to die trying. They believe in paradise. They, Horrible, they, they bad believe people in, that, in, yeah. in martyrdom. Outside of them, we have Islamists. These are, these are people who are just as convinced of martyrdom and paradise and, and wanting to, to foist their religion on the rest of humanity, but they want to work within the system. They're not going to blow themselves up on a bus. They want to change governments. They want to use democracy against itself. But outside of that circle, you have conservative Muslims who are, can, can, write, can honestly look at ISIS and say, that, that does not represent us, we're, that we're horrified by that. But they hold views about human rights and about women, about homosexuals, that are deeply troubling. So, so these are not Islamists, they're not jihadists. So just like that then, apply those concentric circles to white supremacy. The terrorists in the inner circle, the self-professed white supremacists and white nationalists like Richard Spencer in the next circle, and then perhaps edgy YouTubers and IDWers who talk about the Great Replacement in a euphemistic way or fearmonger about immigrants and casually discuss race and IQ those who routinely downplay the threat of white supremacist extremism and exaggerate and fixate on the threat of college SJWs in the face of all this. Why is it that so many who grasp, or even those who preach this idea of concentric circles when it comes to Islamism, have trouble understanding it when it comes to racist, anti-Muslim, or white supremacist ideology? Something to think about. On Twitter, Sam has been scrambling to distance himself from ridiculous false statistics about Muslim birth rates that he put out over a decade ago, claiming France could become a Muslim-majority country in 25 years, and that was if Muslim immigration were to stop immediately. He referred to demographic trends regarding Muslim birth rates as ominous, which I'm sure anyone interested in good-faith discussions on Islam can agree is not mere criticism of religion. And we're halfway through that 25-year time period now, and the spooky Muslim population is still well under 10%. So anyway, he's been tying himself into knots trying to explain this and blame shift instead of taking it as an opportunity for some introspection and owning it. Maybe say, yeah, that was not a great thing to say. I'd have a lot more respect for him if he did. So many of us have had bad takes, but evolving in the face of evidence to the contrary is key, not doubling and tripling down. 
But the thing is, he hasn't changed or evolved much from the time he was using a crazy conspiracy book as a legit source to fearmonger about Muslim birth rates. His fascination and appreciation for anti-immigrant stuff is present to this day in the form of his love for Douglas Murray, who thinks London is no longer white enough. Sam's own cringeworthy conversation with Douglas about the migrant crisis is called on the maintenance of civilization, for fuck's sake. He's positively shared conversations about Muslim immigration featuring people like Anne Marie Waters before. She was too racist for you, Kip. His views on Muslim immigrants and his appreciation for those who hate them was really the beginning of my own realization that what Sam was interested in was far beyond reasonable criticisms of Islam. It's been incredibly disappointing to see all this. Anti-Muslim bigotry has seemed so personal and so urgent in this Trumpian era, and it's just getting worse and worse. After this attack, there is so much fear being felt in Muslim communities around the world. People are constantly worried about their loved ones who go to mosque. I know I am. People are worried about their loved ones who are visibly Muslim, or just brown even. These are scary, scary times for people who can't help but look a certain way or be perceived a certain way. And something I wish the ex-Muslims who are fine with rebel media and Breitbart talking points would realize is that no attacker will stop and ask about your level of religiosity or lack thereof. This hateful rhetoric can come for any of us, no matter how far behind we've left Islam. Even those who've never been Muslim, as we've seen Hindus and Sikhs be attacked by anti-Muslims as well. No attacker will care for your, but actually, Islam is not a race stuff from 2014, in a time where Muslims are obviously being highly racialized. I feel we here in the rational skeptic atheist sphere have a particular responsibility to be careful, since for so many, criticism of Islam is indeed a gateway to the far or alt-right. It's the beginning of a common cause with such people. It's important that we understand the extent of the ideology behind this kind of attack and what three-letter acronym pseudo-intellectual groups also have a hand in a softer radicalization of online communities and in normalizing or sanitizing fringe figures with their connections to people like Molyneux or Lauren Southern and their very mild framing of them or censoring criticism of them or nodding along to them. Now, in terms of this upcoming episode, I decided to have YouTubers from New Zealand on because YouTube is a major radicalizer too and very relevant to this horrific made-for-social-media live-streamed meme mass murder. I mean, oh, so terrifying that that's a thing. But YouTube is a landscape I'm not as familiar with, so I thought it'd be helpful to have them talk us through that region of the internet there's just so much to say on this topic that even though we covered a lot of ground we couldn't cover everything i hope though that you find it a useful and interesting conversation and as always if you enjoy the show and my perspective please consider supporting it via patreon without listeners like you i really can't keep this show going so thank you to those who do make this possible now the episode make sure that uh that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people. No, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Welcome to 
conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, ex-Muslim host Ina, keeping it non-controversial. Welcome to Panel 18. Today I'm joined by Tim Blake and Nick Moa, both YouTubers from New Zealand. And sadly, it isn't a happy topic we've come together to chat about. We'll be discussing the recent horrific anti-Muslim terrorist attack in Christchurch, as well as the internet culture that surrounds it and the responses we've been seeing online and related news stories. I'll link to their YouTubes in the show notes and you can follow Tim on Twitter at uh, at T O M O T A M V O T I R Tomotem Voter. <laughs> okay, and Nick, you can follow Nick at at Moa Videos. Uh, so just M O A Videos. Nice and simple. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me. I mean, it's been quite something to speak to you guys on the other side of the world. It's like quarter to 1 a.m. here. And uh, we managed to get together. Yay. Online. Yeah. Huzzah. But um, yeah, it's been it's been quite something watching this all unfold online. And I can't imagine what it must be like for you guys to be in New Zealand and see all this around you. Like, what's it been like? Well, we were talking just offline a moment ago about, like, I, I don't pay enough attention to New Zealand. And I think Nick knows that about me too. I'm always just sticking my nose into things happening in America. And that's always what I'm really paying attention to. And, um, you know, the reason for that, I think, is because you just take New Zealand for granted because you just assume that the things that are going to go on in this country are kind of a little bit small fry. Like, obviously, they matter to the people involved and they matter to, you know, other people in this country. But, like, yeah, I've, I've been very fixated on American politics and things happening overseas um, that when this happened, like, my wife actually said to me, finally, you've got a reason to care about New Zealand. And, uh... Ouch. Yikes. <laughs> She's kind of right about that because, yeah, I always just, I guess I just assumed that everything's going to go sort of okay here. Um, that the things, you know, things happening overseas are so intense, like with. Um, and it's a pretty you know, peaceful country, right? Like you don't hear about uh, this kind of thing. Uh, the, it's almost a running joke. Like you, the, the, this, it, we, what we, what people know about New Zealand is rugby, sheep, Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. and if you follow Twitter, you'll see on your timeline some tweets, which is almost like you kind of feel, yeah, that's New Zealand's just a little bit, a little bit shit, you know, you, you, you know, world tours stop at Sydney, like you know, Amazon, you can't you know, take seventy dollars for shipping. <laughs> it's it's not a. Um, Was it IKEA it, recently that did a world map that they forgot to put New Zealand in or something? The, the, yes, the, exactly. And, <laughs> That's what I'm and, like with uh, New Zealand and politics. I just kind of forget about us. Like, I will see tweets yeah. and news about stuff that's happening in this country and be like, well, that's interesting. Or that person said a stupid thing. Or that's kind of fucked up. Anyways, and then I'll just tweet, like, Donald Trump and blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's this sort of part about New Zealand's intellectual or part of our, our national psyche. And that's called. The Man Alone. It's this John Mulgan novel, and it's this kind of, it, it, it sees Kiwis as being almost these oh, sorts yeah, of yeah. white New Zealanders as being sort of away from the world and looking out to looking out at the world, kind of a bit in a sort of lonely way. Mm. And we sort of, it's the sort of the way 
New Zealanders look at the world. We're like, look at all this crazy shit that's happening. That won't happen here. Do you know, it's just kind of like this feeling of sort of like, oh, God, uh, you know, the worst thing could be that, oh, God, they'll discover we exist. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And so there's a sort of, I guess, I don't want to say complacency, but there's this feeling that, well, it'll never happen here. You know, we're inoculated from all of that crazy far-right nonsense, mm-hmm. aren't we? You know, and, and, then, and then, bang, 50 people die. And that's been shock, beyond shocking. And then you think about, like, the sort of things Tim uh, touched on about how, okay, so we're online and we're, we're having at it all the time with all of these uh, shitlord types who think that the end of Western civilization is happening because they're their favorite Canadian speaker, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we don't realize that those other people are in that headset too. Do you know? And they uh, they could be anywhere in the world, and some of yeah. them are, some of them are in New Zealand. Yeah, and like the, think- the internet fear culture is global. Like it's a global culture, yeah, which you can't see because you know people are not saying like I'm a New Zealander and I think Muslims are like going to invade us and they're going to destroy all of us. Like you don't hear about it because people, you know, they're in their bedrooms, you know, posting on forums, doing whatever they're doing. And um, there's also been news that, um, like, the powers that be here have not really been following that sort of rhetoric. Like, they, they just haven't paid any attention to it at no, all. No, because they've, they've suffered that complacency too. Like, they, they there's this, you know, we, we're, we're just New Zealand. No, no one's our enemy. You know, this idea of New Zealand being such a perfect place is kind of a stereotype. It's not really particularly true. Like, for example, yeah. we have extremely high wealth inequality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually like one of the highest wealth inequalities in the entire world. Um, we've got a huge racial inequality. Um, we've got a lot of problems with like domestic abuse. We've got a high suicide rate. You know, we've got a lot of problems with like uh, drug abuse and alcoholism. And we've got gangs. You know, we've got a lot of problems. Yeah. But it's just this image that we are such like a safe, you know, country. That's like a paradise. Like I think you said earlier, like it's like a paradise over there. And mm-hmm. it's really not like it really depends who you are and where you live mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. and i kind Even of relate that. to that oh, yeah. as a canadian too because we kind of have that image as well that nothing really bad happens here there's no racism here meanwhile like the trumpism effect is really like you can really see, like feel it here well it's most some... of these demagogues are canadian yeah yes i i, yeah. I know i yeah i'm I, very I sorry i wanted to ask yeah I want to ask you about that. It's like, why is that? <laughs> Everyone's always asking about that. Why are they always Canadian? I don't know. I think maybe <laughs> it's like a reaction to the general progressivism. Mm. I, I don't know. Like, like, you guys think Canada is so great? We'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not so good. We have a ton of them. Yeah. There's like Molyneux. There's Lauren Southern. Uh, you know, Peterson is ours. We have Gad yeah. Sad, we have Tarek Fatah, we have... Faith Goldie. Oh, yes, we have Faith Goldie. Sweet. This guy who came into the country, the terrorist, yeah. you know, capital T, you know, he, um, he entered the country with this idea of this conception of what this country was and, what it, you know, and, and how it fits into this narrative of Western civilization. And he didn't know anything about our history or anything about... Uh, how, what makes this country unique or, or independent? He just thought, well, this is a white country. This is the West. There, there is some Muslims. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, 
it's actually really sad to, 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 to think that about my country that I live in, that there are people who just, they don't feel connected, that connection, that the complete lack of what they would say, what Māori would say, this connection to the whenua. Mm. And, and that that's mean? just my... It means, you know, like, so in the country Tim and I live, there, there's a phrase, tangata whenua, which is used to describe their indigenous population. It literally means uh, people of the land. And it's this idea of having a, a connection to the land. And you don't have to be Māori to have a connection to the land. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you kind of have to feel it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, 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 and the fact that this has really opened my, my eyes up, it's a, it's a real shocking kind of... I guess when we when we sort of take stock of this later as as Kiwis, we're going to have to start thinking about well, there's just this big internet morass of of what you know of West and and and, and because we all speak the English language, we're all speaking the same weird culture war political discourse. Yeah. There's nothing regional about it. Yeah, and it's the and region of the me. internet. Yeah, and um, I've heard someone describe it as a new continent. The internet is a new continent. Oh, that's mm. depressing. Yeah. Yeah, it and, kind and, and of is, like, right? As mm. we become like more and more globally connected, we have like the same, I guess, culture wars. You know, in each different country, like they're fighting the same battles. Like some British YouTuber, right wing YouTuber, is going to feel connected with Jordan Peterson, who's mm. Canadian, but there isn't mm. that geographical divide. You know what I mean? They're on the same side, whereas all the SJWs are on the other side. Right. But that's so, just exactly like this terrorist has got this. He's he's managed to find himself into a cluster of um, sociopathic um, predator trolls, and they've all congregated in their their end of where, wherever that is of the web, and it's it's you know so everyone's kind of it's almost this kind of virtual regionalization. We had yeah. our yeah yeah it's, it's, it's oh, bonkers think, yeah. To the white supremacist, the way that he would see it is that it's a civilizational war between you know, white people and Muslims. And he doesn't care about the particular history of any country or like how white no. people yeah. Yeah. got there. No. I think when it's like when they say blood and soil, like the soil part of it is like dominating the land. He just wants it so white people just dominate yes. everything yes. in this country and there's no other races. And that's kind mm. of it. Like it's the white yeah. blood and it's our soil and we just claim it and take it and we don't care about the context of the country or the history mm. or the fact that Murray people were here first and it was actually mm. a story of colonialism they don't he, like he doesn't but even care in about the that. states yeah. you see that like like there's like ignorant assholes that tell native americans to go back where they came from <laughs> oh that's <laughs> got to like, be the worst that's got to be the worst go. Yeah, I can't even imagine how how shitty that must feel. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, that's the thing. It's a, you know, I think it's a global war, and they can wage a global war through the internet because mm. they right, can try to create this yeah sense of solidarity to... between all white people. Yeah. And the solidarity point is their hatred of not white people and desire to destroy anyone who's but, but not white. Just, and they can do it through the through the internet. Yeah. Well, I mean, because this is the sort of, the, I guess, the narrative that, that we're sort of um, getting to. It's just kind of, you know, well, where does New Zealand fit into this? And, 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 you know, radicalization on the internet. And like, so I tweeted yesterday about how Jordan Peterson, how a bookshop in New Zealand has taken a Jordan Peterson or has, um, has, <laughs> chosen not to restock a Jordan Peterson book. Yes, it's the end of civilization in yeah, and, North and, and, Korea. And now we, we are no, we're North Korea now. 
Yeah. Now we're North Korea. You have Sharia and law, basically. I don't necessarily agree with that decision. I think that was just maybe a bit knee-jerk on the half of the person doing it. Everyone's a bit anxious at the moment. This is mm-hmm. a bit of an anxious time. But I mean, but I don't think, you think a bookshop has the right to decide what books it well, stocks? But this, but, this is, but this is the point. The people who are making it, I mean, I feel a bit guilty tweeting about it because I knew that the people who would make hay of it wouldn't be New Zealanders. I mean, some New Zealanders have. But they don't see that well. There are other bookshops here. They don't see that, well, there are New Zealand authors who might not be stocked and maybe they should take uh, precedence, you know. Yeah. They don't see any of that. They just see their their man being removed. They, they can't see the forest for the trees, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and this is very – people who are extremely online are like this. They, 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 they're so into these, these things that when these things get messed with, they don't realize how small they are. But it's you know, funny like, because these are the find another baker types, right? Like uh, when a bakery refuses to serve a gay person based on their orientation – they will argue that they should have the right not to serve them. Mm, mm, but mm. when it comes to not restocking Jordan Peterson's book, <laughs> it's well, the end of civilization. And, and, and what's the and, and what and what is the inverse to um, crying foul at that as making it compulsory to stop Jordan Peterson? Right, exactly. <laughs> what, what, what are you asking for here? You know. Yeah, it's it's absurd. Yeah. yeah. So this is what I was asking you. Like, what kinds of responses have you seen? Um, mm. And it seems like your country is taking a lot of like swift actions. Like, you know, semi-automatic weapons have been banned, mm. and that is mm. just something that uh, I'm sure a lot of Americans are looking at. And thinking, like, wow, that happened fast. Like, how long have we been mm. asking for something like this, you know? Well, that yeah, that's the thing that's very surreal about it. You know, as a country which is generally not talked about internationally, it's like all of these people who I follow and I see their dumb shit arguments constantly about America and other countries in the Middle East, all of a sudden, all of them are talking about New Zealand and they're all taking all of these narratives and taking the same style of talking point that they always use and putting it it onto this country. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, this country is totalitarian and it's North Korea and there's no Mm -hmm. freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. But, and uh, I can't speak to this personally because I don't watch like New Zealand television, but my wife told me about it. She was like, no one does. (laughs) She was like, you know, she, my wife does. That's that's why I'm bringing her up because she watches all this stuff. She was saying that basically, Everybody on TV right now is just talking about, you know, solidarity with the Muslim community and like, how could this happen here? We have to do something and we have to act. And this mm. is the worst thing that's ever happened. And we have to show love. We've got to show Aroha. And like, basically, everyone's getting teary eyed on every television show, like in this entire country. And even the opposition party, National, was saying, we've got to, you know, we've got to come together. We've got to, normally, like, they're just a bunch of, like, complete shitheads, but they're like, we've got to come together. We've got to do something. Yeah. Like, we agree with Jacinda Ardern's ideas on yeah. guns. The only person oh, being a bastard is um, David Seymour from ACT, who's basically... Oh, what's he pr- says? Um, he's basically just said, you know, if we pass something about guns in three weeks, that's not that's not a democratic process, and yeah. it, you know, it goes against, like, the uh, procedure. So he's just pulling the old, like, you know, Republican so, talking so, point. Yeah, so just some context for, for the listeners. So New Zealand has this political <laughs> system where we have uh, this one little party called ACT, who are the Libertarian Party, and there's one member in that party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's one, like the yeah. only guy who's yeah, like, yeah. And, guys, and, and, come on. And the main, the main, the, the, the main centre-right party, National, give him that seat, basically, just almost so that 
that they can get political cover for maybe some, if they want to do something like charter schools or something, it can be a act party initiative and then they can wipe their hands off it if it doesn't work. It's pretty simple really, but the, 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 this guy, yeah, the, but, but it's interesting because we have the Jacinda Ardern who's, who's quite well loved, quite, quite well liked. She's quite, she, there's, 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 there's a lot of uh, good feeling towards her in this country, more or less. She's considered, a, she's not an incompetent person. She's a, she's a, she's, she, you might disagree with her, but I don't think she's, uh, her authenticity and her isn't doubted, I don't, I don't generally think. Mm. But um, I know that she's done very, she's, she's, she's done quite well with this. She's, she's been very smart with the way she's, uh, uh, brought the country together, and it's really fascinating watching right-wing commentators. There's, a, there's a, uh, the, have you heard of Matthew Hooton, Tim? Do you, do you do you follow him? No, no. He's this. He's this, He's 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 one of these kind of, uh, I guess, really right-wing kind of operatives. Like sort of like if you want to see what's the what's the hard-edge right of New Zealand, that's this guy. And, and, and terms he was of our country, or in terms of the world. Wow. Well, well I'll, I'll give you an example. So he he his the title of his. Um, his his column this week, I think I, I, I'll bring it up and see if I can link it. He it was basically saying Jacinda Ardern has the empathy of Reagan after the Challenger disaster. Oh yeah, and the, yeah, I saw and the that. steely and the steely resolve of Thatcher after the Brighton bombing. And it's like, wow, he's basically calling her um, God Queen. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> and you guys don't of, have anything that's like Breitbart or Rebel Media over there. Yeah, we do. We have this. Uh, we have a. We have a particularly um, noxious website which has influenced our politics. But the guy who runs it recently had a stroke and a mental breakdown. I think so. It's. 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 I don't know where where that is. <laughs> but um, we, we also have um, uh, Brian Tamaki, who's quite notorious. The church guy. Yeah, right wing preacher. But every now and then he comes out and says something that's so bigoted that it makes international news. Oh and wow. Occasionally he'll be like, you know, homosexuals are parasites or something. You're like, okay, thanks, Brian. But, but what does what sort of pol- political what, what sort of what does political uh, power does he wield though? Who, who does? Well, he, not much. But we, we were just trying to brainstorm, you know, people who are kind of like in the American. Or, I don't yeah. Know. Okay. No, he I is because he's. He, He's prosperity theology, prosperity theology, isn't he? he? So he's that really hardline American. Yeah, I mean, his big uh, yeah. thing is just hating gay people. That's what he's really all about. He probably, uh, he hates everyone else too, though, so he probably hates Muslims. There you yeah. go. Yeah, so maybe that, that's something. Yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. but yeah, also, I saw that you guys, um, they're very fringe. Well, that's good. We, hmm. I mean, we've seen our rebel media types become louder and louder over here so that's yeah. been quite scary there, to see is there more than just rebel media or is that well there's sun I mean, news I mean, which is awful oh, sun. oh god yeah. yeah jesus but um 4chan and 8chan banned mm. now right like well the isps have have uh, i believe there's a selection of sites which isps have they just sat down in a meeting and said okay these are the sites and and, and they've, they've just removed them blocked them but you know, anyone can get around them. It's the internet, but it's, right. it's an interesting, it's an interesting gesture, and and something interesting um, about I want to just say about our uh, what makes New Zealand politics different from other English speaking countries is while our press, while our media might be not the best, it's actually kind of shit. You know, our media is shit. It isn't a Murdoch press, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's an interesting distinction. It, it doesn't have Murdoch in here, mm-hmm. and I think that, that that means that there's a lot more breathing space for saner political debate mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, without, without like a real malicious kind of um, 
just that, that kind of nastiness that emanates from whenever there's a fox or a, or a, 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 a news of the world kind of um, thing running amok. I yeah, I mean, just, I think, yeah. yeah, the thing about most commentary in this country is it's incredibly banal and just not mm. of much interest, like, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's probably oh, not much good, though. Now they're all trying to emulate these culture warriors. Now they're all like, and it's funny because I took a break from Twitter for a while, for like a year, and I came back and all these like New Zealand people are, are retweeting Paul Joseph Watson and, um, and, and talking about this Peterson, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, that whole tendency has started capturing the minds of our com- commentariat, do you know? And, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Like, I went to my friend's house like uh, a month or two ago, and he was like, Hey, just been watching some YouTube. Like, you, you got to check out this guy. Like, he's so interesting. And then he, then he put on um, Jordan Peterson. I was like, Are you serious? Like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, God, I've known this Who guy. Who's this? So you, so real you, life friends, like the yeah, real life friend from oh, high school. That that's worrying. I haven't come across a real life person that likes Jordan Peterson. Otherwise, I'd be very concerned for them. He's not. Well, he, so- really loves, he loves Joe Rogan. So. Oh. Uh, Joe Rogan is incredibly popular. I think he. I think most. I, I think Joe Rogan's pretty mainstream as far as yeah. these people go away. Yeah, well, he's definitely he one of the lighter ones, mm. but he certainly um, has some weird shit going on in his show that, you know, like people spout all kinds of. Oh yeah, he has. He's, he certainly has points. a preferred kind of guest, doesn't he? Like definitely right leaning, yeah. and he's very yeah. soft on them. And there was a great article that I tweeted today. I think it was in I forget what publication it was in already. I think it was maybe Slate, but they really dive into this whole like IDW grifter mentality and the slipperiness around it. So I'll link that to like, the notes. Know, with Joe Rogan and stuff and, you know, what was going on with my friend, I think that is a good example of the way it works, which is basically that people who are like fans of Joe Rogan and fans of like these different sorts of shows, maybe it's even like Bill Maher or something like that, who've mm-hmm. never heard of like Milo Yiannopoulos or mm-hmm. Jordan mm-hmm. Peterson, like they will go on those shows. And then people like my friend, who I think is like, you know, he's a pretty intelligent guy and like he's fairly savvy in other contexts. We'll just be like, who is this guy? This is very interesting. Like, I want to find out more about this. Yeah, and so they lend them some credibility, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my friend hasn't been like radicalized or anything, mm-hmm. but I can just see how that could be like a kind of funnel into yeah, into three, three, more you know, funnel is a good word. It's There's that, definitely this, like an online radicalization, right? And there is the, a cascade. The, there is a, the there is meme a, yeah. trolling kind of aspect of this guy's manifesto. Uh, do you guys want to talk about that a bit? Like. There was the Mm -hmm. hand gesture that he did and the shout out to PewDiePie, subscribe to PewDiePie. Yeah. Now, to someone who isn't like steeped in this stuff, like this means nothing. Like, you know, it's just a. Yeah. It's it's, it's interesting when people are saying uh, with this particular this incident, people are are saying that you're giving the terrorists what they want for something I don't know but I've they always that, say, yeah a lot yeah, you, people keep you saying that to, to me yeah I don't know what, what you mean when giving how giving, for some reason this, this has become a meme giving the terrorists what they want just yeah, if you discuss like, <laughs> if you discuss yeah. how they may have been radicalized and yeah. what kinds of talking points that may have radicalized them then of course you're giving the terrorists what he wants because I mean 
to some extent, I don't know. like the terrorist will get what he wants by shooting fifty people because people yeah. will he wants notice. To terrorize like, oh, you know people, what? right? I just like, noticed he just wants noticed it to that, kill fifty people. That's what I just he wants. And, this guy and, shot fifty people. I guess I'm doing what people. he wants by noticing. <laughs> you know? And so people will be horrified and scared and talk about but, it. But, and so, but, to some extent, I guess he so will. They, but tell me, saying, um, they're saying okay. like, do not. Don't notice if when someone shoots fifty people, just just like, pretend that nothing happened and just walk off and like be like, okay. But your prime minister refused to say his name, right, and said she would never say his name. So I think that's good because when they glorify them or put them on the cover of Rolling Stone or whatever, you know, that's never. Yeah, I've I've only good. said the shooter or the terrorist yeah. or the killer. That's the only. The kinds of stuff that people say about Islam would probably not be tolerated if people were saying about Judaism, right? Mm. Mm. So I think that's one of the things, the tipping points in this particular tragedy, maybe, is that this is why people like Jordan Peterson having his arm around this guy in the photograph saying he's a proud Islamophobe. Right, there's that photo that's been circulating, and that's yes. from New Zealand too, right? So can yes. you describe the photo? So there's a photo which... Uh, someone uncovered that was actually on the site of the the people that was promoting Jordan Peterson's tour of New Zealand, and it was one of those photo ops where you, I guess, you pay money to have your have be cuddled, have you have some Jordan Peterson put his arm around your shoulder or whatever. And there's a a guy who has a T-shirt saying, "I'm a proud Islamophobe," mm-hmm. and. And it's, it's it's really damning on on Jordan Peterson because what what kind of a person would actually not just be taking a photo with but actually have their arm around someone saying I'm a proud Islamophobe. Mm-hmm. But I and know that, I already know yeah. the defence. The defence is that Islamophobe is a made up fake word, <laughs> and it's no, made up in order to right. stop people from criticising Islam. So I think you know when Jordan Peterson sees a guy like that, he just thinks, oh, this is a good chance to you know make the point that Islamophobe is not a real word. Or something like that excellent jordan peterson voice there <laughs> yeah I, I wasn't even trying to like, practice yeah. no but okay so this isn't even his first like photo that's kind of like this he's got this photo with a known white nationalist uh in a maga hat and he's holding like the they're holding like the pepe flag or there's this, there's yeah, well, that's the meme. That's the whole. It's just a meme, bro. Thing. Yeah, and that's kind of. I forget if it's a Pepe flag or a Kekistan flag. One of the two. That's why the white supremacists have gravitated to PewDiePie because he's so steeped in meme culture that they just think they can hide in, pl- in plain sight. And based on his reactions to being accused of doing things related to white supremacy, his reaction is always just to attack the media. And I think that sends a message to white supremacists: like he doesn't really have a problem with our beliefs or us like he has to put up a front like he's sorry about stuff but then he just doubles down and triples down that the media is making him look bad so he's not going to go against us and i think because his audience is so mammoth and so massive that you can have parts of his audience are growing like that and, and he's then being just like a, he's a youtuber right what kind of can you can you talk about him what he is Talk just for PewDiePie. the listeners, yeah. Like, what what what's his channel like? Um. Well, when I watch his stuff, it's basically just that he, and this is, I guess, is the whole defense. He just makes light of just life. Like, he just makes fun of everything. Um. He'll just do stupid things and pranks and play games 
and just like his yeah his content is very like lowest common denominator which i guess is why it's so successful but his yeah his videos are just very much like looking at memes joking like being silly but you know it's extremely well he did this video where he was ordering online um you know people doing different things you can order somebody doing something so one of the things that he ordered fiverr.com is that what it is yeah mm. one of the things that he ordered was um he wanted some people to hold up a sign that said death to all Jews and subscribe to Keemstar. And the joke there was that this would make Keemstar look bad. So then he bought this from them. And who's Keemstar? Um, just another YouTuber. Okay, who's just, like, just uh, making sure that we explain the context. For- <laughs> right, yeah. And so he bought this and then, you know, they were dancing around. It was like some African people. And then they pulled out the sign death to all jews Gosh. subscribed to keemstar and he was in pewdiepie was like shocked like oh my god and then he said i didn't expect them to do that like i didn't expect them oh my god i'm sorry guys i did not expect this and i thought that was the worst excuse i've ever heard and then you didn't also expect said them the to do N-word? the thing you paid them to do like what he's also said the think, n-word right uh, oh yeah when, he, when he's streaming streaming and playing games he was he shot a guy and he was like this he's an n-word goddamn n-words or whatever mm-hmm. and it was a it was a heated gaming moment gaming he's makes a, you say the n-word right so, right i've heard it, it. the I've gamer word actually, the defense of him is that he's just a shitlord he's just memeing everything's just jokes but i think the problem is that it sends a signal to white supremacists that when he says some shit that white supremacists like and then the media has a go at him about it. He just attacks the media. That's his response every mm-hmm. single time. You know, yeah. he doesn't repudiate the actual beliefs. Uh, uh, he says, I'm not with those people. Also, the goddamn media are liars. And that's what I he says am, every single time. I've only seen him for the first time today. Funnily enough, not very long before I logged in to chat with uh, you two. And the, so my very first PewDiePie experience video was him talking about his favorite author. And it was um, Yukio Mishima. <laughs> And I don't know if you guys oh, are aware Jesus. who... Yeah, yes. did you know? Yeah, yeah so hard got right this, fascist. So he's got this video, and it's, it's a little book club, and he's talking about Yukio Mishima, who is a Japanese, uh, basically, fascist. Um, he's a good author, actually. I mean, he's, there's, a really good, there's a really good film, which I recommend, Mishima. <laughs> I, was, I was just yep. about to say that. that yeah. I, okay, I know this is probably problematic, but he's actually a really good, good writer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, that's why it's a perfectly good enough sort of thing to broach on a, on a, on a YouTube channel. I mean, if that's your favorite author, it is. It's just, it was just really strange in light of this to see that pop up. But then there's this thing where he talks about how Basically, if you aren't aware of Yukio Mishima, he has a he has a, he has an interesting body of work, but also his his personal life was very interesting. As well as being a, a big novelist and playwright, he also had his own little uh, paramilitary group, and he he killed himself by ritual suicide after kidnapping or, or holding hostage a a member of the Japanese cabinet in, in 1975, mm. and. And, and also, yeah, so he was homosexual as well. Which, he was a bit of a repressed, repressed. His first book um, is about living with the shame of being gay. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's quite fascinating. And, 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 and it's quite, and that's why I really recommend the film as well, because it goes right into that. And I think, but what's, but what's interesting is, is the way. PewDiePie sort of characterizes it in his video, and he's talking about how when Mishima. Uh, did this ritual suicide? He he did the speech in front of the the soldiers from his balcony, and he realised that they weren't going to necessarily listen to him. But it was better to die like this than have done nothing at all. 
And I was thinking, wow, that's fucking a deep thing to say for a, uh, a video game YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can kind of see like why. That is deep though. That's just and, being a shitload. Well, yeah, but then you look at all the comments underneath and you see people recommend, you see all these people with um, Sam Hyde avatars recommending uh, um, Julius Evola books. And, you know, and you're like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you realize, wow, this is like what? Wow, who's, who's, who are these people who, who, who are going, you know, so you go from PewDiePie to Julius Evola in two steps, in, in like one click, basically. Mm. And Julius Evola is is the fascist philosopher, basically. So it's 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 yeah, fascinating. Well, I saw today because at one thirty two p.m. today we had uh, two minutes of silence because it's been a week since the shooting, and so we had this moment of silence for like the week. I, I don't know what do you call it anniversary. That sounds too mm-hmm. too happy, but um, well, no, they have death a, anniversaries too, right? Yeah. Well, so there was a tweet about that. And all of them were like, wow, New Zealand's an amazing place. Like, New Zealand's fantastic. What a, an amazing country. And then I saw one that said, subscribe to PewDiePie. And the, the username was... So gross. I don't know how to say this. Deuce Vault. Oh, oh Deus, Deus. Whatever, you know, the Crusader yeah. thing. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, how fucking extreme are the people saying but subscribe like to people PewDiePie? Who do that funny, people who do that funny hand gesture and say subscribe to to PewDiePie now. Yeah, it's that okay They can't sign, do it now, right? you know. You can't really do that now. Yeah, you know? so... Yeah. But so it's like shooter... you look at the usernames, you, you click on the profiles, and you go and you see the kind of shit they tweet about, and it's just horrific. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, and they're saying subscribe to PewDiePie. Like, I, I can't say that, you know, PewDiePie caused the shooting. That's the whole straw man about the whole thing. But I can yeah. say that this sort of infestation of his fan base with extreme radicals is happening right in front of his eyes. And I feel like, you know, our feelings, I feel like he should do something about that. And yeah. for that, I'm just being incredibly unfair. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, when the shooter says subscribe to your channel, you think that that would alarm you and make you put out messages that would put the far right off of you. But I don't think I've seen anything like that. In fact, in the days after the shooting, he put a tweet out, which was thanking people for getting him over 90 million subscribers or something. Yeah, that's a bit... Great timing. Bit, um, he's got more followers than the population of Germany. You know, he's... he's that's insane. He's a, the yeah. amount of influence that he yeah, must yeah. have, right? But, that, but that's the issue. Like, he, he's got this shitlording, never... Like, you can apologize, but never be apologetic. Like, never bow down. Just say that you're sorry just for the sake of saying sorry and then get on with your shit and attack the media thing going. But at the same time, he's also very ignorant and bungling and he's just very unaware. And it's conceivable. And that's that so that dangerous just, for someone yeah. like that to have that much power and that much influence. Yeah. Like, it's conceivable that wasn't malicious and that he's just such a clueless clown. That yeah. he's like, oh, I'm going to celebrate my subscriber count today. Why would you do that after, like, a mass murderer has said, subscribe to PewDiePie before shooting 50 people? Because well, you're not part of it. You're, you're, in, you're in your bedroom and, and where he lives in Brighton or London or something. He's not... It's, it's just like anyone who, who has these fantastical reckons about New Zealand. He can detach himself from it and, you know have dinner with his girlfriend or whatever. I mean, this is, this is the world we live, you know, we, we can, you can log off, you know, and hmm. I don't know. Also, I don't also know. He's, he, he's been consumed with um, 
competing with this other Bollywood based or like Indian based channel called um, T Series. And he's just been obsessed with trying to get more subscribers than T Series. And cat- I- but this is where it falls into this far right stuff is because it's been categorized as some kind of political argument that what he's doing is he's fighting for the very soul of YouTube by making content on his own terms there's all there's a certain kind of it's not just it's not just competing for content uh, not competing for subscriptions it's, it's, it's turned into an actual almost like a political situation you know that's why that's why even peterson himself has said subscribe to PewDiePie. Yeah. Like it's like some yeah. kind of there's such a yeah. weird like web of connectivity between all these figures right like mm. it's not for no reason that the book store in New Zealand well, yeah, decided no. so not I'm, to I'm carry quite interested in what it means to be outright adjacent. Right, which people and, like and, to and deny is a thing, but I mean Well, this is a, when, even when you say like so even if I was even if we sort of take I mean it's, I don't even like even really talking much about Jordan Peterson anymore to be honest, but um, even if we take someone like his words at face value and 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 and, and have good faith in what he's saying that he situates himself and he uh, in a place where he's trying to de-radicalize uh, angry young men. Or, or there is a there is a particular pitch it's he so has. It's so amazing to me that he <laughs> says we, he's trying to he, de-radicalize people yes, when he's doing the exact opposite. Well, this is what this is what even if you are to. Uh, what are you going to do? How are you going to do that when you're holding up Pepe flags with white nationalists? Yeah, that, that's, yeah exactly. That, I think like he's put himself in a in, in a kind of a space where if you're the one who's going to be to put, placing yourself in that space where you're um, talking to people to do radicalize them, you might actually have to acknowledge that it's a two way bridge, not a one way bridge. Sometimes I think it's naivety. At some point, that wears a bit thin. This kind of well, he's been on a podcast or a um, YouTube with uh, Tara McCarthy, McCarthy, who was yeah. who was an actual um, eliminationist, genocidal neo-Nazi. Yep, she and advocates she, violence. And, and, I, and I had never heard of her until I followed him onto her channel, mm-hmm. and and then I started getting recommendations from her. Now, if Jordan Peterson. He doesn't seem to even want to acknowledge that there that some people can go the other way, and and, and there's sort of narcissism in thinking that uh, that he's the he's the one who's going to save everyone, and it's kind of it really pisses me off, and I don't really you know there's not much I mean there's not, I don't think there's much to it. But. And when you put when you put that out there, like his fans will say like so he can't talk to people like that he might disagree with doesn't mean that he agrees with everything that she says yeah but you know what if you're talking to a genocidal nazi maybe challenge them on that he didn't do any of that he just sat and bitched about leftists with her well yeah exactly and he would say that well he would say that i didn't know about her he'd give some kind of lame naive naive yeah Exactly as he would with the Pepe thing, exactly as he would with this guy. Um, I don't know what he's going to say about this guy saying they're proud Islamophobe. <laughs> you know, it, it gets more damning. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean thing, so, um, sooner or later he's going to be at a clan rally and say, I was there to, to radicalize him. <laughs> you know? like, that's was. the thing. Like, I think <laughs> the, argument, the argument around PewDiePie is a lot more difficult because people could perhaps make a compelling case that he is very unaware and that he's very unsavvy and that he's. And but I think that's you know a function of his obsession with um, defeating YouTube. You know that's kind of like his whole thing. 
as just being like the king of YouTube. And he's not too concerned about other things going on. Like it's slightly sociopathic and it's just like he's reacting to sort of terrible things, but he's not really doing anything to affect any, any change about right. them. You know, whereas Jordan Peterson, he's quite purposeful. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know yeah. if it's an excuse, but it's context. I think. Yeah. But what is his purpose? His purpose is... His purpose at this point, I think, is to make is, uh, maximize his income and um, and PewDiePie. And, yeah. and, oh, PewDiePie! Oh, no, no, everyone. I was talking I about everyone. Jordan. You, you said Jordan <laughs> Peterson yeah. is very Peterson purpose. and PewDiePie are like are both they're both grifters. I don't know. I mean, Definitely. PewDiePie is just. A, I mean, Jordan I Peterson is selling a lobster line of clothing now. Yeah, you know? I mean, they, they 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 there's a thing that happens when you you probably reach a particular level of fame. So I have this uh, another one of my little armchair. Um, uh, theories is is just about the, this idea of how fame affects your personality, and I think that um, there's there have been studies that have shown that there's a kind of a it's like being famous is like cocaine basically, yeah. and in itself you're getting rewarded. Your brain is getting rewarded, especially online fame. You're getting rewarded from all this. instantaneous, right? Yeah. You get all this like dopamine. Uh, it's, you know, like the, 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 I can't even imagine what it must be like if you're Trump, for instance, or, you know, you, you do, you do a shit tweet and you kind of get rewarded and you're uh, by just whatever crap comes onto your timeline. That's still attention, you know? Yeah. And, and there's, there's probably a certain megalomania that comes with, with that at a certain level, I mm -hmm. think. And I think that yeah, that's pretty and, that's PewDiePie. I think that's that's Jordan Peterson. I think that's a, lo a lot of these people who are kind of um, influencers online. That that, that they kind of they're distorting. Something's been distorted here, do you know. And 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 con conventional arguments that they respond to. Do you know. You, you mm. Yeah. Today, somebody accused me of defending the authoritarian totalitarian government of New Zealand, and I was like, Jesus, <laughs> what? <laughs> Look out! Look I, out your window, man. I mean, what would you? I mean, it's like, I mean, <laughs> like, when it's was the last sunny. time like a political dissident was like shot by an you know anti-aircraft gun or something? Okay, so here, here's something I just learned. Here's just something something I just learned is that there are in the world. I think it's like a hundred uh, uh, low low hundreds of people who are seeking asylum from New Zealand. And um, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that, 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 I think a lot of them, I think a lot of them are uh, these kinds of sort of uh, uh, Julian Assange wannabes going to Russia, I think, something like that. You know, these kinds of people who are like the, the New Zealand Secret Service is on our case because we, we opened up the truth about chemtrails or something like that. <laughs> you know? Okay. Oh my God, so we do have... Some well, the, fact, that's the, good to hear. the fact is that there is like a hundred people claiming asylum from New Zealand is really quite <laughs> funny. Do you know? Yeah, I mean, maybe not funny. I don't know. I don't know, but probably it's quite. Yeah, it's funny. I think it's funny. No, well, I think I, I, I have seen that, any like, like the kinds of people that have been radicalized and gone insane do exist in this country. It's just we don't hear from them very often, mm. and that's the scary thing is like looking around and wondering, you know. What are people actually people thinking in their private time? You, like, you don't know, because when you're going about your life, going to work, doing whatever you're doing, you're not hearing the yeah. fucked up shit people actually yeah. think. Like, I'm and, sure there's people who actually are in this country and think, yeah, it is like North Korea. It is a yeah. caliphate. Oh, like, no. Well, didn't like Dankula, the, the famous Nazi pug guy, say that it's like yeah. North Korea? Yeah. I'm remembering correctly, right? That's who said it. 
Yeah, some guy who's never been to New Zealand has an opinion about New Zealand. Oh. Talk to me about the uh, caliphate of New Zealand, you know. Well, this is interesting. Is it's good for me because I'm a man, so I just get to I get to roll. It's really nice. I mean, in in the days after this tragedy, because your prime minister draped a scarf over her head, there have been some anti-Islam oh, activists. Some numbnuts who, who, who think that they're the end. But that's, that's exactly... Uh, the, the, the milieu that this terrorist falls into is people who see um, quite ben- relatively benign signifiers and use that to indicate that they have to take violent action. Because mm-hmm. when you're saying that, so, when you're using buzzwords like surrender, uh, mm-hmm. invasion, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, th- these are these aren't just normal words to use in political discourse. These are calls to action. These are uh, when, when when you hear when, if, if I hear my home's being invaded, well, I th- yeah. I think the most the most intellectually honest thing for me to do would be to take up arms. And I'm you know I'm, that's that's you know th- I, I feel this way about people who I'm going to just go on a tiny little side if, if I can just go off on a little tiny little tangent here. I feel this way about um, when people have the abortion argument. This idea that. Uh, that people talk about abortion as being a, a, a um, holocaust, and I think if they were, I think that if they really believe that, they'd be doing a lot more action than they are. And the ones who are are terrorists. And so, when you're using this language, you're, when you see online Jacinda Ardern respectfully wearing a, a scarf around her head for two hours at a memorial in a mosque, and you're saying, "This is when Western civilization surrendered to the caliphate," mm. you're either being intellectually dishonest. And you're um, you're just being a bullshit artist, or you're actually telling you actually believe that, and you're a dangerous psychopath. Invasion is the big word here. Like for me, that is the number one word that indicates that it's not just criticism of Islam; that it's some sort of civilizational warfare yes. that you have to like protect yourself from. Like somebody has to do something. We're being invaded. We're being replaced. And it's very strange to think that this tiny Muslim community. In 1%. this country, that's way that's Zealand. really out of the way, and it's just like this tiny fraction of the number of people living in Christchurch is an invasion, and yeah. that's when you know that like it's it's not about criticizing the ideas. Yeah. I think the yeah. thing about like Islamophobia, that's, that's, like the reason they say Islamophobia is fake, is because they say you're criticizing the ideas. Um, but I think what Islamophobia really means is that you know islam itself is a threat to all of us there's and a real so how can you say that islam is a threat to all of us but muslims like they're okay don't yeah. worry about the muslims yeah and, you know i that doesn't i make sense. as an there's ex-muslim really- i've wanted to be able to crit- express my criticisms of islam and not be shut down you know so i understand the frustration when conservative muslims use the term islamophobia to protect themselves from any criticism right you'll take mm-hmm. like uh, a verse from the quran that's like really you know misogynistic or something and you know all abrahamic scripture has it um but they'll be like, you know, no, you can't say that. You're being Islamophobic. And it's like, no, like, fuck off. Mm. This, this well, verse I, yeah. sucks. So in that sense, it's a frustrating term because it seems to be, you know, about Islam not being able to be criticized, right? But I, but I think the Islamophobia is that Muslims are infected with Islam. They've got like a disease, which is Islam. 
you know? Well, no, yeah. So now I I see that the hysteria around Islam itself is so excessive. It goes beyond any normal criticism of Islam. And trust me, mm. like, I would... I would be really the last person to protect Islam from criticism, but mm. the way that I see it now around me is alarming. You know, having to having all these other prominent ex-Muslims say shit like Islam is worse than Nazism, and then you tell them that that is incredibly dangerous a comparison to to popularize right now. And they're so, like, yeah, why? We, we, we didn't say anything. We killed the Nazis. We killed them. Yes. yes, and they will follow it up with saying, well, Nazism has been defeated, but Islam is still around, you know? And then you're <laughs> like, but what the fuck are you saying? And they're like, why? We haven't war, said, they mean there's a war. That's we haven't mean. said anything yeah. about Muslims. We're just yeah. saying Islam is worse than Nazism. We're not calling Muslims Nazis. And it's like, no, you're just saying the ideology that they... <laughs> Practice is Nazism. What does that mean? That's like that's like so saying like uh, the problem is Nazism, not Nazis. Like Nazis are fine. <laughs> it's, it's absurd. They tie themselves into knots and and they don't realize how dangerous it is. Even in the wake of things like this, right? So I've been trying to point out like the kinds of toxic shit that I've seen in the ex-Muslim scene, in the atheist rational skeptic scene. In the IDW, which gets a lot more, you know, mainstream credibility, you know, this replacement theory, like I've seen excerpts from Sam Harris that say stuff like, you know, the Muslim birth rates are ominous and they're going to be the so-and-so percent by this by this so, year and that's if you stop really immigration today and it's like what the fuck this is not criticism mm. of islam you know you're now getting into immigration and replacement and all of that right there's someone i follow his name's called david nywart or nywart i i really i'm gonna get in trouble if i pronounce his name incorrectly but he's written two really good books one's called the eliminationist which i think was around 2008 he wrote it and then last year he came out with a book well, it was 2017, he came out with a book uh, called Alt-America. He researches the alt-right, um, or the, the, the far-right in America, the militia movement, and so on and so forth. And, and it's quite interesting. So he was the one who sort of brought this term eliminationism into discourse, mm-hmm. into, 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 and this idea of in Rwanda when there's a genocide, what, what's been playing on the radio? What's the kind of rhetoric mm-hmm. that's been playing? It's about enabling people, giving people almost sort of cover to think a certain way. Because if, if there's a kind of a, if, they, if you can wrap yourself in a, a bubble where it, it, it's permissible and you believe that this is, that you're at war and you, can, you, you, you have permission to, you know, cut people's arms off or whatever, you'll do it. You know, like when you dehumanize uh, yeah. people to such mm. a degree, then I mean, these kinds of things can happen. Absolutely, and and this, and, and 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 this guy who's who who, who attacked our country, he uh, has wrapped himself in this eliminationist discourse and stuff and that we've seen. That's. You know, yes, we're so all familiar of stuff. with all over YouTube. We, we, we're all, we're all, and we're all kind of familiar with it. Like we've, and, all, we've and all seen it. Didn't like Lauren Southern have a video called "The Great Replacement," which she deleted well, all, all of a sudden. They all, they all, they all, and Jordan yeah, Peterson, I heard, you know, that photo that you were describing. Also, his like promoters or whoever, Emory Hold, yeah, deleted so, that so, photo, but then people had it like archived. 
I wonder what happened with Southern because she's she's been she's a she's a grifter in my humble opinion. Like she doesn't. I actually think <laughs> that there's ever? like there are other. I think there are people who are true believers, and I don't think she's a true believer. I think she's someone who uh, just says it because it's red meat and gets her the views, and thus whatever she gets out of it. And I'm interested to see what what her next move is because her the guys the the, the terrorists manifesto was named the Great Replacement. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Great Replacement was the name of one of her videos, but it comes from a, a some there's some kind of uh, quote unquote intellectual Fast history intellectual. To, 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 to this term, the Great Replacement. It's not, she didn't invent it, is what I'm saying, but she certainly popularized it, and. I think that, uh, and she obviously removed that from her YouTube channel the, the day the day it happened, and obviously it was to circumvent YouTube from getting giving her a strike or, mm. or or whatever. But I'm actually quite curious. What, I mean, how is she go, is she going to just carry on with this um, this kind of this 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 unusual inciting yes, rhetoric? Do you think so? Well, or do you think yes, she, yeah, yes, because this, she did yeah. a, she did a tweet where she basically said, you know, um, just because. All of this shit has happened. Doesn't mean we can't criticize Islam. We have to be able to criticize that Islam. That went down like you know. a cup of sick, though, didn't it? That went down like a cup of sick. And I think that. But a lot of people. She, have but been she appeals that. to people who love cups of sick. Like <laughs> that's too. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's you know? right. They crave the sick. But it's I, I okay. Just, so here's the point that I want to drive home: is like it's not just people as extreme as Lawrence Southern. And she's not even extreme among the extreme people. No, she's not. That, but, I mean, she, 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 she just seems like a, you know, again, that whole proximity to it. You have, but there's like a lot of like, you know, people that are just known as secularist humanists or whatever. Mm-hmm. They've also been like obsessively tweeting about how we should still continue to criticize Islam. And you know what? I, I don't think that Islam should be protected from criticism. I just no, think that there's a time and a place, right? This is just not the time to be making that point. It just comes across very insensitive and, and a strange mm. thing to keep saying right now, right? Actually, I know. We, we had kind of an exchange, or just very small exchange, um, about the fact that a school in New Zealand recently, um, what was they re- Stated or re. They just know, confirmed they just think, that their um, yeah. school rules against the hijab will continue, right? Yeah, and I think we yeah. have differing opinions on this, so let's talk about it. It's like, it's like an Anglican school, I believe, that mm. um, doesn't allow religious symbols, only like small necklaces or something, to be worn inside the shirts, and so it doesn't yeah. allow hijab to be worn and they've just said that yes that is still the case but for me that that's exactly what you're saying that's just time and place it's, no but no no, you no. Know, that's not necessarily anything wrong with saying i don't actually i don't know is there something wrong with saying that <laughs> like what's your case okay so my case is this if they had just made it a new rule after the attack that oh you know what hijabs are not allowed then yeah, that'd that be like be a bad. douche move. But why aren't they allowed? Like, why can't you have a hijab? Because they're like, an Anglican school, I guess. Well, and, and yes. Schools well, that have just uniforms. I mean, like, I I went to a school that didn't allow nail polish at one point. Yeah. That's I mean, like, I wasn't I mean, happy about I, that. I, I get it. Like, I mean, and, and the Anglican schools here, as far as I'm aware, they're not like the UK Anglican schools where they're funded by the government and there's a, you know, there's a certain kind of uh, statutory requirements and all sorts of stuff involved. Here, they're purely church schools and. You, 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 you know, if you want to send your kids to one, then the chances are you're an Anglican. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about it, but I, I, I would think that this is a this is something which is. I think it was in response to um, people wearing scarves out of solidarity, and 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 that's another that's a whole other debate which I don't re- I'm not really equipped for, but I do know that. Just, I mean, wearing I, scarf, I was, just wearing a scarf as a signifier for a cause isn't enough to change a dress, dress, dress rule for us, you know. It's I like, mean, I think I was all prepared Poppies to, is another one. You should have to wear pre- poppies and, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't get why that's a big I, deal. I was prepared to, like, defend that rule, but then I was just thinking about it, like, why can't you wear a hijab or, or at the school that you went to, why couldn't you wear nail polish? And I just came up blank, like, why... Is it just they're scared of like disorder or something? That's, that's just school. Yeah, I mean, at one point, my sister. What do they think's going to happen? At yeah, one point, my sister had a principal. Hair, and then you went to start to have long hair. It was just the weirdest <laughs> It's place. like so confusing. Yeah, they had one year, they had a rule where you, your hair wasn't allowed to be too short for men because that would make you a skinhead. Mm. And then people grew their hair long and you became like some freaking, like, um, what is it, like, uh, uh, grunge. <laughs> you know? Well, well I like, think that, you know, there's a win. line, there's, there's a line, like, if it's actually making people uncomfortable and feel unsafe because it's like whatever you're wearing or expressing is kind of threatening and, you know, it just makes us all feel very uncomfortable. I'd get that, but if it's just like nail polish, like I actually don't know how to defend saying it's banned. It's just that, you know, we have certain rules and we want it to be orderly or something like yes, that. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that schools have rules like that, right? Like at one one no, year, my sister why. had a principal that allowed... I think vertical stripes, but not horizontal stripes. I don't know what the <laughs> hell that was about. It's hilarious. It, yeah, it's so stupid. All the students <laughs> made fun of it. But that's the thing. Like, I guess but, we're defending. But what I'm saying the, the is, it's not necessarily. It's not necessarily coming from a place of anti-Muslim bigotry. You know what I mean? But it's like that school has the right to express itself that it doesn't want hijabs, or whatever. Like it's the school is making a statement that hijabs are can't be worn by people whatever. Mm-hmm. and I have to say like I, I do actually have some sort of a problem with the fact that like at a certain age you know parents will put a hijab on a child of course yeah you know, that's kind of odd but you know then the kid goes to school and the school is like no hijab to me that that the school part of that is a little bit questionable like I don't know what they're aiming for I don't know why they have a problem with it I guess. But you're just saying that they should have the right to say, we've got an issue with you wearing a hijab at school. I mean, I would question the parents. I'd be like, maybe you shouldn't force that onto your child. Yeah, but you know, school question the side parents. You know what I mean? If they just have a rule where there's no hijabs and they don't have to, like, try to convince parents not to do that. I, I think that, that it was in response to this. Today was a day of solidarity and uh, some... A lot of uh, New Zealand women have been wearing uh, headscarves, and there's been a lot of interesting uh, debate about that. Yeah, um, I mean, I cringe because, at that. I understand yeah. it's a very sweet gesture of solidarity, and it's it's coming from a really good place, and all of that. And of course, I'm not gonna like be like, oh, New Zealand has fallen to Sharia law or the caliphate mm. or whatever. But just as a woman who who grew up in Saudi, who was made by the state to wear a headscarf. I cringe when I see that as like a yeah. There's so many different experiences of the hijab, I yeah. can imagine, or of 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 it that you can't. I guess part of the, I guess the source of, uh, what as as I would see it, and and I guess my privileges as a as a, as a man in in, a, in, a, in the culture that I'm in is that I don't really care one way or another. But you know, like it's not really something which I can I have to I have to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, when I but 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 the way I see it, I think to myself, well. 
if you, there's a certain if you, you you by your choice of a certain scarf around your head in a certain way that's more than just expressing solidarity that is wearing your scarf in a certain it, it may be it aligns with a certain denomination of it Islam does. It, or a certain or a certain not, region not I, denomination you know, but certain level of orthodoxy right exactly okay that's I think the right like, like, yes, orthodoxy. Know. so you think that it kind of um, by doing that what you're actually doing is you're doing two things you're not necessarily subscribing to that orthodoxy but you're kind of appropriating you know, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't, mm. it doesn't you're right. It's a bit cringe. It's a bit. It's a bit weird. But, but I mean, then I, again, you know, time and oh, place, right? I might. I, I might not love it, but I'm not going to be attacking people for showing solidarity in that way after an attack like this because I'm like, mm. they mean and, and well. Guess, um, and Muslim people in New Zealand have been divided themselves. So there, there's been some um, Muslim people who have been saying that that their heart can't express how wonderful it is to see that kind that level of solidarity and where it actually originated this this idea was because within Christchurch there was a school whose children's were like their families at the school were directly affected by this this mm. tragedy and the mothers were afraid to start walking their children to school and as a measure of solidarity teachers and other parents use the scarf as a, um, as a as a gesture that they could walk them to school with that on and that grew from there so I think it's I mean very very quickly it was this idea okay so this is a this is a very good thing to express solidarity and, but on that very neighborhood level I think that's a very and beautiful thing which is understandable right like when it becomes a symbol of defiance right in the mm. west because anti-muslims target visibly muslim women all the time it's almost mm -hmm. understandable that people would you wanna, defiantly you wanna, wear it more. You want to stigmatize this, to stigmatize it. And you know, so you then, were, there are people who have, there's, uh, uh, there was a, a woman on the news who said she was exposed to Islamophobic or, or, or racist uh, uh, verbal abuse on the train. And if there were people, if there were, and just to see women visibly wearing the scarf, that meant a lot to her. Right, you know, exactly. this idea that she wasn't that she wasn't she wasn't isolated because when you are grace visibility for 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 a, for a minority means greater vulnerability. You know, and so yeah. there is another side to this debate. So when it comes yeah. to the hijab, though, right? There's so many nuances to this conversation, mm. which the people who say either you're submitting to Muslims or you're not just don't understand. And even as a woman who dislikes the hijab, I can appreciate the gesture. I can appreciate that, you know, when people visibly Muslim women are scared that an increase in number of women that are putting the headscarf on is like this defiant act that makes them feel safer to walk to school mm. or whatever. So I can understand those things. And yeah, I mean, like, this is I a know, complex like, debate, complex mm, discussion. I can't, mm. I can't speak to your experience, obviously, but is for you, is it like, you know, the people who don't want to wear the headscarf, it's like they've been pressured into wearing the headscarf from a very early age. And the way that they more experience it is like something that they've been told that they have to do. And, you know, they've come to a point where it's like they don't want to do that. Um, so, you know, it, it more represents being controlled. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but what I've usually seen is that if you, even if you grow up 
thinking it like you see your your parent your mom or your sister wearing it and then you're told that this is just normal this is how muslim girls are supposed to be even if you're not like pressured obviously it kind of is um there is a pressure right of family and societal expectations that you don't want to disappoint or go against hmm. so i mean th- i mean this could obviously this could be my ignorance but isn't there like a certain age where they say like okay the child is now ready to wear the hijab like, not always not always but yes i mean um the idea is that after puberty is right when they're ready but it's not like a hard and fast rule that everyone follows so what is your your reason for not liking the hijab then like if is it different than that like it's not that reason well my reason for not liking it is just the origin of why it's worn right it's a very Mm. sexist garment i feel it's firstly it's just for women you have to cover your hair so that you don't invoke lust in men right that's the basic reason that it exists that's why you're supposed Mm. to cover yourself but for me it's i think like it's like it should be about choice like if somebody wants to say i should be modest and i should cover myself up and i feel like you know go crazy like do your thing well yeah no i'm not saying that i have the right to stop anyone from wearing it but i can still dislike it if you if you think that you should be modest because your hair is going to turn men on and it's your responsibility to cover it up so that they aren't turned on. I think mm. that's a very fucked up mentality. Mm. So I think that, yeah, well, that could be some of the free. criticisms like in, term of, in terms of privilege and everything that people are talking about going on in New Zealand. Like it, it could partly be to do with that. But I just think, yeah, as Nick was saying, that I think it like misses the solidarity that it's representing at the moment. Right. So I just want to add that it's not quite as simple as that. That is one core reason that the hijab exists. But now in the post 9-11 world where Muslims are, you know, demonized, there's so many reasons that people wear them. It's not just Mm. for that. Some people wear it, you know, for cultural reasons. Some people wear Mm. it for political reasons. Like they want to be defiant in the face of anti-Muslims, you know, Muslim yeah. women wearing hijabs increase so much after 9-11. So it's not mm. that someone is mm. um, literally it's a, sta- thinking, it's a statement of identity. Exactly, you know? exactly. So it's not literally someone saying, oh, you know, I should cover myself to be modest. It's not always that anymore. Mm. So we have well, to that, understand yeah. that there are different reasons. Well, I think I feel I sound like a completely cornball, like libertarian, whatever, but I just want it to be about choice, really. I think... I just want people to wear what they want to wear, which is obviously kind of idealistic and naive because parents are always telling kids what to do and how to conform. But, you know, if somebody says, I don't want to wear a hijab, (laughs) I'm going to be like, well, I'm disappointed. Like, you really should wear that hijab. (laughs) Like, you know, it's their their choice. They can do what they want to do. But I guess for me, like, the, the conversation is sometimes about the pressure that people might feel to wear it. And I can totally understand how for some women who are like raised in, you know, Islamic households, that that could be a, a very big issue for them. You know, people raised in, you know, conservative religion mm-hmm. who want to break away from that. You know, I really, I really respect that. I think. Yeah, um, and well, it's also about yeah. the privilege of Western hijabis too, right? 
a lot of women over yeah. here have the choice whether to wear it or not wear it, whereas a lot of women mm. back in the Middle East uh, don't yeah, there's, there's, have that choice. Whole, um, so then the women with the choice are perpetuating this practice that has been used to oppress women. Well, I've, I've been to Iran. I'll tell you a story about Iran. Is that there's this, I've done Tinder in Iran. And and um, wow! <laughs> oh no! Let me tell you. Oh, oh God! I won't tell you. But um, the, the, there is a. Um, it's interesting because there is a. Um, there's a very indoor Iran and an outdoor Iran. Yeah, just like Saudi. And, just like Saudi. Yeah, exa exactly. And and it's 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 it's. And when you look at, I'm going to encourage everyone to check out Tinder. But like, um, there is. It's funny when you when you go through the photos, you'll see that there is a, there is a look which is obviously the dress-up look and then there's a dress-down look, do you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I don't think we, we, we necessarily see that from our vantage point if, we're not, if we don't exist within that world. We don't mm -hmm. see that. We don't see that there. You know, we, we, if, if you're someone like this um, piece of shit who's, who's talking about the West of, end of Western civilization because he sees a hijab, he doesn't necessarily see the nuance do you know mm -hmm. and, and also there are yeah. some progressive women that are hijab wearers right with progressive right, politics yeah. this yeah. assumption that uh, they're Islamist because they wear mm, a hijab mm. is really disgusting mm, mm. absolutely and I think that uh, I, I think that's actually something which I think it's one of the, 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 I guess, myths which I've probably fallen prone to myself. Like, I would maybe presume, because it's uh, a lot of my time I spent more than a decade living in London, and I think part of what, uh, if you have any British listeners, they might care to disagree with me, but I think one of the things which really bothers a lot of British people about about the hijab is that it's a, a physical manifestation of, of faith. Mm -hmm. And faith is a very, it's a very, it's a very private thing for a lot of British people, mm -hmm. and 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 they probably wouldn't mind it so much as if people just kept it kept it to themselves, do you know. Well, I kind of understand that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And here's the position that I'm in as an ex-Muslim who really enjoys criticizing Islam when it's fair criticism. It sucks to be in this anti-Muslim climate and be on the defensive all the time and having to right. be the person. Because all you have all the dickheads on your side, right? You have all the people on your side who are like, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of things which, which we, which, which are actually, I think, very. I mean, things like, thing like I looked at that guy who had I'm a proud Islamophobe on his um, mm -hmm. T-shirt. He has this list of perceived. I guess cultural traits of Muslims, right? And, and it's like ridiculous stuff like pedophilia yeah. and yeah, yeah. But I mean, that isn't to say that honor killing doesn't happen. And you know, it's of it's, course, it, it's, yes. You know, right? And so, and so, how how do you how do you create a space for that sort of dialogue without having climate, a jerk yeah. off? Without having a jerk off like this stepping in and and distorting the debate. Exactly, you know? it's, exactly. It's a challenge. It's a real challenge. Hey? Yeah. 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 So just to wrap things up, uh, I just wanted to talk about the, um, you know, it's just memes, LOL, and the role of plausible deniability in all of this. What do you guys think about the, like, the hand gesture, the OK sign, and the, so, you know, as we were talking about, subscribe to PewDiePie. Yeah. So it's I the have whole a, plausible deniability aspect that's this uh, common uh, thread. I have a um, upcoming um, video which I'm trying to make, so I'm plugging that right now on my YouTube channel, and it's about radicalization, I guess. And one of the things which I came across quite interestingly was a it was a podcast between two 
actual bona fide neo-Nazis, actual hard right white supremacists. We're not talking about you know the the the, the Kermit the Frog voiced Canadian types. We're talking about the the, the ones know. that teach at universities. Yeah, we're talking about the ones. Who, yeah, we're talking about the ones who who actually openly talk about genocide. And it was that, there was a there was a really interesting thing that they would, they started talking about, and it was this idea of memeing and irony and lols, and they were saying they know that there is this kind of Trojan horse. They, they, well, obviously they do. I mean, why wouldn't they? But they, 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 what they were speculating about was how much time they have left before their jokes about ovens and their, um, you know, those, those sorts of edgy memes. They know that a lot of people, a lot of kids are doing them just for the memes mm-hmm. and they've got that cover. But there's gonna, that's going to run its course sooner mm-hmm. or later and they're going to be a bit more sort of bare. Um, left, left, and left out, left out in the open, and and there, and it's interesting to hear white super, like genocidal white supremacists actually openly speculating about how much um, that 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 this is a thing, and also how 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 far they can ride it. Mm-hmm. So I, I I thought that was actually for me that was interesting confirmation that it is a it is a phenomenon. This idea of ironic ironic, ironic Nazism, yeah, ironic Nazism. Uh, that, that there are some people out there who are just doing it for the lulls. Some of these people who who, who become sort of uh, white nationalists on YouTube. Uh, uh, well, obviously, um, Baked Alaska is the obviously egregious example of this. The guy doesn't have a thought in his head, but he knows what people respond to, and people mm. are responding to this. And it's, he's doing he's doing lulls Nazism. But that's the thing, but, right? So if you do mm. the okay hand gesture for lulls or whatever, and people mm. say, well, you know, you're being an idiot when you think it's a white supremacist hand gesture but then you get like actual white supremacists like richard spencer or this guy mm, mm, who, mm. who shot up 50 people and then he did mm-hmm. it in in handcuffs there's a picture of him flashing that symbol right oh and beyond that he was i mean this is gonna get this is quite a shocking thing to say he was memeing while he was killing people so like i mean i'm unfortunate enough to have watched some of this oh god and just just yeah. on the by this footage has reached a lot of people mm-hmm. um the local school um, where I live, a school. Uh, they, no, 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 no. There, there's a local. There's a school where I near where I where I live. They took everyone's Chromebooks and they found this footage on 45% of them. So, so, so <laughs> yeah, this is something that's yeah. actually been being disseminated. It's been disseminated. And what's really, I mean, that's there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are working through a lot of trauma here. And but what's interesting, and, and I, well, I'm I myself am. I I've, I've had to talk to someone. It's it's actually been quite <laughs> horrific. Really, I have you know. Besides all that. One thing I saw in the footage was he was he was he was doing he was the stuff he was saying the stuff he he was playing music uh, and he played this uh, what was the song so apparently it's the um, remove kebab song and I have no idea what that is no this is a this is a where you're in that level of meme meme aptitude where where you know you're that I don't you know this is in another language which 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 I can't I don't understand yeah but I've, I've, I have since discovered that this is a song. Which sort of um, that, that that it's it's a bit of lulls on their side, but can you imagine being murdered for the lulls? Is essentially what was what that was. That during that during that time, during that seventeen minutes of mayhem, he was lulzing. I can't it's, even imagine. It's just I, yeah, insane. we live in hell world. You know, I did an episode yeah. on fascist fashion with um, contrapoints. I think it was last year or maybe late twenty seventeen. 
And we talked about, you know, emoji Nazism, ironic Nazism, and, you know, the, the potential for, like, lol jihad. You know, if they have LOL Nazism, then what if... Uh, Islamist culture starts to mimic this stuff, right? Well, yeah, and and, and but but also. And now we're we're and seeing like someone who's murdered people for the lulls. Murdered people for the lulls. Horrific. It's horrific, mm. and the thing about this. So what's what's interesting? You should say that is a loss of a loss of. I'm pretty. I, I don't know if it's, like I can't say for certain, but I'm pretty sure if you were to look at a lot of ISIS. Um, activity early, let's say early ISIS activity. I'm pretty sure that there will be a lot of similarities with what's happening here, and I think that um, it's not just there is an interplay. Do you know? There, uh, there, that, I also I've got a pet theory that I've seen no one else saying, and which I have not yet said. I don't know. Don't worry, I'll steal it. If, if anyone else thinks this, but. You know, his body cam looked like a first-person shooter, like the way... Mm. I have heard the, people say that, yeah. Oh, you have, okay. Grow, and it made me, it made me think of, like, Fortnite, you know? Everybody plays Fortnite, but I, th- I don't know, it's Fortnite third-person, so maybe it's more I like Call of Duty. I don't know what Call of is. Duty Blackout or something like that. Like, it was basically, he was trying to make it look like a first-person shooter in order just to sort of say, like, hey, kids, like... You know, no, this no, is not really a, real killing. This is just no, like a game. He's, you know, um, it's like a simulation. Mm-hmm. He was having a gaming moment, a heist gaming moment. Hmm. That's terrifying. That's what but actually, doing. like he was, he was recreating, like what a first-person shooter looks like. Yeah, no, and I, mean, that, I think that is the kind of language that the youth speaks today. Like every, everyone knows, like Fortnite or even just, um, I mean, it's I probably like too saccharine, but more like you know Minecraft or something. Like moving around in a first-person perspective. Mm-hmm. With weaponry, it's like uh, it's like just a very yeah, um, common so image. Like everybody can yeah. has seen that. They know, yeah. So when he's like shooting people, it's kind of like you can see it. Like if you were a child and you were looking at it, you'd probably re- relate it to like Call of Duty or Fortnite or like a you know, some sort of game. So and I think it's like a way his, to like, kind his, of detach uh, yourself from the experience too. Like it's not really happening. It's a video game. Dehumanize these people that you're murdering. That's, that's a good that's, point. Yeah, you actually turn these people into avatars. It's turned it's turned people into into sprites. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that was kind of the only way to help me through it in a way. Like so Jesus, don't watch this footage if you if you if you, I mean don't no, even be I curious about it. it. It is just but the I, worst thing you've ever seen. But I think that, that's his way of encouraging copycats. Okay. His way of encouraging cop- copycats is to make it seem not real, like it's something that you could just go out and do. Like it's just um yeah, like it's a simulation. And it's Nick, not real life. Didn't you post about uh was it uh, an insulation guy who was in court because he this was what's interesting spreading how, the video oh, yeah. the, and the, also the he was cases, charging yeah, yeah. He was charging fourteen eighty eight, fourteen eighty eight per square foot or something. Something yeah, what's ridiculous happening, like that. What's happening here is that uh, the police. Um, yeah, I don't want. I mean, I don't know all the, the the dynamics. Like in all of these events, there's a few questions that haven't yet been answered. Um, one of them, uh, I mean, the people on the ground certainly acted very proficiently. Like they caught the guy alive within six minutes, apparently mm-hmm. within six minutes. Of of receiving the call, I, I, I yeah. But the um, the other thing that they've, they've fucked up in several other ways, and one of the ways was they charged him the first for the they've charged him for one murder, but they mistakenly charged him for the murder of an alive person, and 
they had to, I mean, what the fuck was that about? I don't know. You know, that just kind of shows that there's a bit, bit, bit of chaos happening. Then, you know, the other thing is the li- the gun licensing is that I suspect the reason the police, this is my, my personal uh, my personal, I guess, partisan perspective here is that the police, the part of the reason that they are supporting this uh, semi-automatic gun ban that's that's going through is because that's a lot easier than for them to talk about the fact that their licensing system has been gamed for so long. And this terrorist, when he got his license, this is something which I've heard from uh, a gun control person was that he applied for his license. Um, In this country, you need to get two references and a home visit to receive a gun license, a weapon license, firearm license. This this terrorist, he didn't receive a home interview, and the two references he gave were from people from internet forums, which means that there's something broken there. Yeah. I mean, and also that's that might give you a clue as to why the police, New Zealand police. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it was this forum, but uh, I suspect that's why they're they're talking to Kiwi Farms now, mm-hmm. um, um, or they're trying to get the logs of Kiwi Farms. Now, leaving all that aside, the police are trying to obviously kind of show who's in charge. You know, they want to like sort of at least show that they're in control of the situation. So they are sort of dragging up that they're doing the sort of drag dragness of, of, of They're like making examples of people, right? Yeah. So, so, so because Christchurch has a particular, has a peculiar history. It has a, it's not, uh, it's a very white part of New Zealand. It's very, um, their, their, their local, uh, rugby team is called the Crusaders, <laughs> you know, and they're considering know. a name change now. I read, yeah, they right? are considering a name change. Yeah, but th- that's interesting. Like I've never thought about their name ever. Like yeah. even when I see all this talk can of I, crusade I just, online, never thought about the name. When you grow Crusaders. up with something, just, it just kind of seems normal, and you don't even think about it sometimes. Yeah, I was right? like, oh wait, yeah, they are called the Crusaders. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> just, just, just if we can just sort of just. I'm sorry, I'm just going to break. I feel like I've just interrupted everyone all the way through, but um, I, I was just, just you, you asking about this guy who had 1488 mm-hmm. as his, his, his van. So there is a particular history in Christchurch of far right activity, and they were caught, and this, this terrorist attack might not be related to any of that, but it's definitely not a good look for the people of Christchurch. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the police certainly they found a few people that like there was a guy there was this guy he was a he was a tradesman. He had Nazi memes on his van. This has been going around Christchurch for years. No one ever better than I lived. And now they, they raided his home, they you know, recovered his hard drive, found he had shared this uh, this footage. Um, and that's as good as in this in the law of this country, that's as good as sharing child porn or something. It's a it's it's a um, a harmful material, do you know? So he's going to he's he's looking at a few years in prison. Mm. And so so there are a few people who have been arrested. Sorry, that's, that did, was just my, but my point. But didn't he also he shared it in the context of promoting it, like he was saying, "Wow, look at yeah. this." Yeah, yeah, no, he, yes, he'd also he'd also sent um, severed pig's heads to that mosque two years ago. Yeah, like so he wasn't he just sharing it like like no, news. No, like wow, I can't believe he, this. This is shocking. He was saying no, like, "Look at this. Wow, yes, this is like really yes, interesting. Like very, this is sort of where we should be very, going." But he's a very good egregious person to to round up to um to kind of show the people of of of, of our country that um there's more of yeah, there's a teenager there's a guy who's 18 yeah yeah there's a, there's a few trolls here and there what i'm what i'm trying to say is that they're yeah. uh, they're rounding that they're trying to at least 
uh, uh, look like that. Everyone's making gestures, is what I'm saying. So you have like, like our, our bookshop, you know, we, as we talked about earlier, that was their gesture. This is the police's gesture. Everyone is, has, there's a sense of people trying to um, clear house or maybe, quote unquote, clean their rooms. Just to go back um, to yeah. when we were talking about the internet as a continent, I uh, read a story, I read a story about how a threat on 4chan led to school closures across Charlottesville yesterday because there was a user claiming to be a student who said that they were going to commit ethnic cleansing. And mm. then in Birmingham, five mosques were like, I don't know, attacked with a sledgehammer. I don't know. I think they just defaced the building or something. I don't mm. think they harmed anyone. But I mean, it seems like these little incidents are cropping up all over the place. All right. So any um, final... No, Thoughts. <laughs> I hope that anyone who listens to this can forgive all my uh, interjections and, um, you know, all good. My final thought on this is just that, like, anti-social justice YouTube has really gone in the direction of white supremacy. And it's not a good guy to bring up, but I think it's encapsulated in somebody like Andy Worski, who basically was an anti-feminist, anti-social justice YouTuber mm. until at a certain point he was like, I'm getting bored of this. I don't Good want to example. talk about this, this stuff anymore. So I'm going to have on a biologist and, and we're going to talk about IQ and we're going to talk about oh, demographics dear. and we're going to talk Let's about some crack. all of all of the things happening to white people and why white people are superior and why we have to actually you know be concerned about the civilizational war and for me that that was just a marker of the fact that anti-feminism and anti-social justice have no defense or no way of actually fighting back against the alt-right and white supremacy and that there was creators who went in the direction of actually enabling that and promoting it on their channels. And then there was people who were basically like, you know, I agree with everything that they say, but I have like slightly different values about, you know, how a government should be run or like taxation Mm -hmm. or something like that, you know? So I just think that the issue is that everyone has gone into memory and shitlordism and, and that has real-world consequences. With, with no, absolutely no yeah. self-reflection, no self-examination. Yeah. They've basically said to the alt-right, like, our platforms are your platforms. Yeah, yeah. Come on, say, say whatever you want to say, do what you want to do, and then we'll say that we tried by meeting you face-to-face or talking to you um, via voice. You know, that's all we had to do to prove that we don't agree with you, but we will give you a platform. Yeah, so, the lack of challenge. The lack of challenge, yeah, but that comes from, I guess agreeing with a lot of the talking points, right? Yeah, it's just like, oh, I think we should have a republic, even though you're totally right about all that shit about black people. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think that um, far right and white supremacist terrorism is being recognized properly for the threat that it is, or even on social no. media platforms? No, hell no. No. I mean, we could we could spend all night talking about this, to be honest. You know, this, this idea that, uh, what you know, we haven't even got into how culpable the, the social media uh, companies are in it. Yeah, but there's, a, there's, there's a, so much to talk about. But there's yeah. so much to talk about. But there is this idea, in my head at least, and I'm sure it's exactly what Tim was saying just then about how there is a certain drift. When you are making content online, um, let's say YouTube specifically, because that's what we're familiar with, what Tim and I are familiar with, you've got to keep making content to stay relevant. And when you run out of ideas, you've got to... You gotta say stuff, and well, what better thing to say than I don't know a bit of the you know edgy shit, and that gets you the engagement, and then 
sooner or later you're spouting nonsense that like you don't even know the consequences of mm-hmm. until the consequences happen and then you have to extricate yourself and that's mm-hmm. like what I think a lot of people are doing and some of them have just fallen so far down that, that rabbit hole they just like um, uh, certain YouTubers who I've been looking at they are so far down that rabbit hole they probably can't get out of it they are radicalized you know mm-hmm. and, and while others are like oh that was a mistake and they're trying to pretend nothing ever happened right and I think that's quite interesting right I mean YouTube radicalization internet radicalization is is so real and I can't mm. believe there's still people out there that deny that it it's a mm. thing I mean as Tim was saying there's a funneling from like more mainstream mm. content to further mm. and further fringe more and more extreme content <clears throat> And, um, yeah, it's about time that people recognize that white supremacist radicalization is a thing, white supremacist terrorism is a thing, and it's a problem, you know? So, yeah, I think that's a good place to end. Thank you guys for chatting with me about this. It was fun. It was fun. So I can spread my message. Right. And just... Everyone can come Spread under my thrall. SJW message. Well, yeah. there is one thing that I forgot, which is that um, you know, Richard Spencer, like a year or two ago, especially like the alt right are completely fucked. Like, no one will have us on anywhere. We're completely screwed. Like the Antifa's yeah. efforts to deplatform us have totally yeah, destroyed he was, us. He was outright saying that. Eh? He was yeah, really he was like, it. he was like, we're done. We're basically screwed. When Andy Worski turned his whole platform into basically alt right radio. He was like, we've got another chance. Like, this is, he was like, yes. he said that, he said YouTube is the new frontier mm-hmm. for, the, for the alt-right. And I think mm-hmm. that time has proven him correct about that. Mm-hmm. It was basically like, mm-hmm. he's defeated, and then all of a sudden, he had this just ray of hope. And it just that, came through, and now that's where we are now. And, so, And that's the story of all of every single uh, discredited idea from the last, let's say, 100 years has had a social media platform that has it's almost like a little ember that was just burning away and it's been given oxygen and whipped up yeah. into a sort of a and, and all of a sudden people are talking about fucking phrenology and shit you know? right like, I could never have yeah. imagined this like three four years yeah. ago I, yeah. I just yeah. I can't believe how far backwards we've gone in these past yeah. couple of years yeah. it's mm. terrifying but I, do, yeah. I do think it's interesting that yeah he was saying that we're defeated and then it was like YouTube was like no you're not Come along, yeah. like come to here's, us. We here's will some help monetization. You. You know, yeah, like, exactly. And now they're like, have some, have some well, recommendations. You know, we're not <laughs> very know? visible, but at least we're very influential in the underground of mm. the internet, and we're actually having real world impacts. So, mm. I mean, in the end, at the end of the day, the alt right has kind of succeeded in a strange way. But I hope you know? that from incidents like this, we can learn and grow and learn how to handle these things better right i hope people talk about it responsibly and uh you know i guess if they felt that they were kind of heading in that direction i hope that people start to pull Mm -hmm. away so maybe this is a wake-up call for everyone i think that like overseas people don't have that feeling that we are having at the moment of course we sort of like well so while we're having all this kind of interesting introspective stuff about new zealand society and gun control they're just looking at it from a completely different perspective but um it'd be interesting to see if it changes anything Mm -hmm. all right well guys uh nice chatting with you and uh hopefully we'll chat again about a happier topic 
Yes, let's, let's, let's just say cool, yeah? Yeah, Thanks. take care, okay. Nick. Thanks for having me on. Also, I forgot that I've got a new podcast with Dusty Smith and Vadim Newquist called The Gotcha Boys. Um, we're going into our third episode, and we're, our third episode is probably going to be based around criticizing and making fun of white supremacy. So that's probably quite relevant to yeah. what we've been talking about today. Yeah. Definitely everyone check that out. And the Gotcha I'll, Boys. Yeah, I'll add a link in the show notes. All and right. Aroha to everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian Mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at nice mangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal nicemangos.blog at gmail.com Remember, no Ian Mangos. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. 